Ladies and gentlemen, stick around. We're going to talk about another not quite so famous UFO crash, but significant nonetheless on Talk Is Cheap. Ladies and gentlemen of planet Earth and beyond, welcome to another great episode of Talk is Cheap, winding down one of the last ones you're going to see. Uh, and as always, to my right, Mr. Dan Holfeld, how are you doing tonight, sir? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Still reeling from that amazing rip UFO report that the government That's released, great, right? Oh, it? boy, Dan, you've been on cloud nine. Oh, I can just my God. Tell. That's just... The, Stuff I never knew before. It <laughs> yeah, might be right. a paper oh, bag. My... I never thought it might be a paper bag. Bag, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mind blown. So, or the good old weather balloons. You know, those get you every time too. Hey, they didn't mention swamp gas, so that was cool. I mean, it only took how many? Apparently, mach- swamp gas is off the table. Machine guns in L.A. shooting at a, a balloon, and they couldn't bring the damn thing down. But you know, right? Those damn balloons. Mm-hmm. That was probably one of those ice crystal phenomena that they were, they mentioned. Anyway. I digress. Uh, Folks, tonight we're going to talk about another UFO crash. I've been in the UFO mood lately. You know, we had this big letdown on the 25th, but I'm still in in the mood, so we're going to talk about another crash. So this one occurred uh, in 1965, December 9th, uh, in a uh, town called, just outside of a town called Kecksburg, Pennsylvania. It's about 70 or so miles southeast of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, if you're familiar with that. Uh, you keep going in the northwest, you'll hit Cleveland. Cleveland rocks? Yes. Go back to Cleveland, Cleveland. Uh, then you'll get your feet wet in one of the Great Lakes. I can't remember. I don't know if that's Erie or Huron. I know it's not Ontario. Uh, that would be, is that Huron? I don't know. I don't know why the Great Lakes over there. Anyway, I digress again. So uh, December 9th, 1965, for those folks paying attention... You might also know that this is the same night that the Cosmos uh, Russian satellite allegedly broke apart. Same day, I should say, uh, that allegedly broke apart and then uh, fell and scattered itself across Canada. So that occurred uh, at, um, I think it was around 6, 6.45 in the morning. Just a coincidence? Or... Well, we're gonna, we'll talk about that a little bit. So yeah. anyway, Dan has got on the screen here just kind of the, uh, the crash site. You can see Kecksburg's a, a small town uh, out to the west. Um, I don't really have a scale on there. I would imagine that's about f- just knowing the average size of farm fields, about three miles outside. It looks like a pretty small town, too. Yeah, so. right. And just, you know, look at how the fields are. are. It's small agricultural community. You can see what look to be hay fields or corn fields, some, uh, some woods. I bet you it's excellent deer how hunting How cool that there. would be if that, like, happened in our backyard here. Yeah, I would no. just love to, even if it was just a stupid satellite. You'd have... 20 minutes before anybody showed up to, <laughs> but, to go and p- pick up your samples. And, and but, uh, you know, those balloons, those yeah. are, <laughs> yeah, they'll really good. They'll really cause a crater when they fall, man. Make those, sure the government comes out when those balloons hit the ground. Yeah. Come yep. again. So, uh, so anyway, that's where it is. Uh, you know, it looks to be small town, uh, definitely rural by the looks of the map. I mean, uh, certainly not a booming metropolis or, or anything uh, like that. So it's, uh, um, yeah, right down down the road from what is that Snively Road? So anyway, uh, scroll down a little bit more there, Daniel. Oh yeah, 
My bad. I forgot I'm doing your notes today. Yeah, right. I forgot my notes, so Dan's got them on the screen for me. According uh, to the official transcripts, an object crashed about 4.47 p.m. in the afternoon, December 9th, 1965. Uh, it was seen by hundreds. Actually, some people have reported thousands of witnesses, but at least hundreds of witnesses in six states and Ontario, Canada. These included civilians, police, and firefighters that came forward with their accounts. Who, who knows who else uh, happened to see this? According to the locals of Kecksburg, the Kecksburg locals, I wonder what um, you know the mascot of Kecksburg is. That'd be nice to know. If anybody knows that, post in the comments. According to the locals that arrived on the scene prior to the military, uh, the object was, was the shape of an acorn. Uh, approximately six to seven feet long or wide, excuse me, and eight to 10 feet long. Now, one thing I noticed that when I was looking at different accounts of this, that did vary. And I heard like uh, one person said it was eight to 10 feet long and like 14 or 16 feet wide. So, you know, not a terrible, terribly large discrepancy, but one to be noted. Um, Interesting thing across the bottom of the acorn, where like the cap of the acorn would be, I guess, uh, which isn't the bottom, but flip an acorn upside down. Um, there was hieroglyphic type writing around what? the lower rim, allegedly. So is can can the folks see this right now, Dan? Yeah, oh, this 100%. is what they're seeing right now. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, so this photo that Dan's got up, and for for those uh, listening, um, it sh it shows what certainly looks to be an old grainy photograph. It's got military vehicles, U.S. military vehicles, uh, and one of them's pulling a flatbed trailer with this acorn-shaped so this, object. Th to be clear, this is the photo. This isn't like... I don't know. No. Okay. I was just like them damn... Uh, or could uh, this be a monument of some kind? I, or a reproduction or something, because they have a parade and such, too. However, that said... Because um, they do have an annual parade in Kecksburg where they pull one of these things through on a military-type vehicle. Um, every website I went to had this photo. Nobody credited it to anything. I couldn't find a single credit for this photo. No idea. Ch hmm. YouTube channel, or, uh, you know, talk is cheap challenge. F find the credits to this photo. So, um, anyway, it, it nonetheless depicts the scene that it, uh, witnesses describe. I no idea, um, so I hope I don't get in trouble. But the other places that we're using this, they're not taken down and they were using it. So anyway. Um, exactly. No doors or openings, vents, windows, et cetera, were seen on it. It was like it was appeared to be a solid object. And then prior to the crash, according to eyewitness uh, accounts, as as they looked up and saw this thing coming across the sky, it had it, it was like glowing bluish. It had a bluish hue to it. And then uh, a blue smoke that was trailing out um, uh, the back of it. And according to eyewitnesses around Kecksburg, they said that it actually looked like it was uh, being controlled and um, on its way down and, and wasn't really crashing like a meteorite or something falling from the so sky, but more they could see it turning and trying to basically find a landing spot. And this is the photo here of that happened? This is an actual photo that we're looking at about 45 seconds after the object passed through the sky. A gentleman snapped a photo of it. I think you've scrolled on just a little bit the gentleman's name there. Richard uh, Champagne, uh, C-H-A-M-P-I-N, Champagne, Champ Champagne, who knows if it's French, <laughs> I don't know, uh, by Richard Champagne uh, in Royal Park, Michigan. So this was taken in Michigan. Remember, it crashed in Pennsylvania. This was taken in Mi Michigan. Oh, wow. So it, it it crossed six. It was seen in six states and Canada. So, 
And then here's another photograph. Lowell Wright in Orchard Lake, Michigan, um, saw a fireball go, go by and then snapped a photo of the, the smoke trail. Huh. So pretty neat actual photos. Here is a uh, the next uh, photo we're looking at is just kind of a rudimentary drawing of, I would say, the Midwest and Northeast. And it shows the estimated trajectory of this object uh, based on eyewitness accounts and, and such. And if you notice, right around Cleveland, Ohio, it hangs a uh, not a hard left, about a 30-degree left-hand turn. So it's coming straight across kind of southeast across Canada, goes over Lake Superior, catches the upper tip of Lake Michigan, goes through all of Michigan, and then uh, hits basically Cleveland, Ohio, and turns left and then crashes. So that's the way that we would say that it's kind of under control is right here when it kind of... Well, I I think that the intelligent descent comes more from eyewitnesses during the crash, but... uh, um, Folks went back and and tried to piece together, you know, who saw that and noticed uh, there was a a big discrepancy of as it traveled across Ohio of of where it was seen and where it should have been seen had it been falling straight, you know, in a straight line. Right. So uh, I have a whole pile of eyewitness statements here. Uh, One eyewitness statement, uh, a person that went, uh, got to see me for the military, we found the object had crashed at a 30 to 40 degree angle and broken off numerous uh, uh, tree branches. Initial reaction, this was no airplane. Didn't see any shrapnel or breaking up of the fuselage. It was one solid piece, no doors, no windows. Not even cracked, just dented a bit. Didn't, it wasn't smoking. There was no steam or vapors, at least none that, uh, that they could see. Uh, Don, a gentleman by the name of Don Sebastian, he was vacationing in Kecksburg, uh, staying at a friend's house, uh, got to the scene and heard two inhuman screams from the woods near the crash site. Um, and other witnesses also have claimed to hear these inhuman screams. And it happened when just when the military got on site and entered down to the crash zone. Uh, here's a Don. Here's a quote by Don. I believe he was 14 at the, t- at the time. I think. Um, I saw a line of soldiers down in the clearing. Best guess. No, no, it wasn't the next guy. He's young. Anyway, uh, he said, I saw a line of soldiers down in the clearing. Best guess, maybe a hundred guys armed at hip level and walking single file parallel to the crash site. It looked like a drill. Perfect formation. Nobody was out of step until they heard a scream. And this was a terror scream. It made the hair on the back of my neck stand up and it didn't sound human. And that's when I lost my nerve. I figured this was a place I could get shot. So I was out of there. Um, interesting about that. Um, just really, uh, another interesting, he claims that the hair on the back of his neck stood up. Have you ever had that happen, Dan? Oh yeah. So that is like a instinctual reaction that your body does. You don't have control of that. You, not many people do. I'm sure some can. Sometimes they listen to the right music, it gives you a chill down your spine. Yeah, but I, that's not the same as having the actual feeling the hair on okay. the back of your neck actually bristle wow. up and try to make yourself look bigger. Maybe I never did then. <laughs> yeah, I've had it happen once, and that was out. Uh, I was in the Boundary Waters camping, and a pack of wolves howled, which seemed like 15 feet outside the tent. I'm sure they were in the woods, but they were with, like, close a pack of wolves howled and my hair didn't do anything until after they stopped howling it got quiet and they didn't make any more noise and it felt like they were right on top of us when they they first howled and then my my hair just i i could feel it it was like 
bristling so the idea is it just tries to make you look bigger yeah i think or so you just I scared think, so much that well, I, I don't know i think like you know like a dog you know with their hair standing up i don't know it's probably a trait that we don't need anymore right. but anyway uh that's but anyway so i thought that that was an interesting thing that was mentioned because if it truly made the hair in the back of his neck stand up that's something very instinctual genetic that, that humans do scroll down a little bit more dano Dave Newhouse, he was a teenager at the time. He tried to sneak out in the woods. It came upon a soldier. He pointed his rifle at me and said, get out. A woman described the crash, a column of blue smoke rising through the trees. And she saw another brilliant object. This is interesting. I didn't come across a lot of uh, uh, um, accounts like this, but she saw another brilliant object above the tree line near the smoke column. So maybe a second ship or something. This other object resembled a four-pointed star. Hmm. So that's interesting. Falling star? Uh, yeah, right. Uh, Doug Yurchie, uh, again, uh, 14 at the time. The odd thing about it is, was the thing did not fall straight down. The UFO went laterally, sideways, almost up. James Romanski. So we're going away from the... Yeah, so it looked like it was It was like almost going like... Going away gravity. Yeah, trying to the... gain altitude or whatever, mm. right? Um, James Romanski, he was a volunteer firefighter at the time of Ke- in Kecksburg responding. Okay, so this is one of the first guys on the scene. He said it had writing on it, not like your average writing, but more like ancient Egyptian hieroglyphs. It had sort of a bumper on it, like a ribbon about 6 to 10 inches wide, and it stood out. It was elliptical the whole way around, and the the writing was on this bumper. It's nothing like I've ever seen. Okay, so so those are some pretty interesting eyewitness accounts. And there was a ton more online. If you uh, follow the references um, that w- are provided, the links provided, you can find a whole bunch of cool information, more photos that we didn't share as well. So, um, well, we might have to look at a couple of these. I'm scrolling through them, and yeah, well, I'll let you finish your presentation. No, no, if you but... want, let's, let's look at them now, because we'll talk about the military cover-up next. Okay, well, because I don't know, we get into this this uh this acorn is it the monument there or whatever oh yeah yeah that's that's outside of kecksburg they have uh an uh this is uh based upon eyewitness descriptions or whatever this is what they've came up with they have an annual party a ufo party where they drag the acorn through town and have a parade and stuff so this you go to kecksburg pa this is what you see and so i don't know how accurate these hieroglyphs are and such but What's interesting is that there is a debate out there um, on whether or not the military actually responded. Um, The only thing that the military admitted officially that the only group that was sent to the site was the Oakdale radar unit. Okay, they had uh, some radar unit, which would maybe track something like this, right? Uh, uh, in, In the nearby area, and allegedly Project Blue Book called them up and said, go check this out, we have something down. Um, and uh, even residents of Kecksburg say that they didn't see a big hoo-ha. Um, but however, the witnesses like that were on site, the the John or the yeah um, uh, John Murphy and and the other witness we talked about, they said no. There was NASA, the U.S. Air Force, and the U.S. Army were on site with over a hundred personnel. John Murphy, he was a local reporter and news director for a radio station WHJB. Out of Pennsylvania, WWHGB, one hundred one point five, the Rock, you know, or whatever. Anyway, he, uh, he was he was the news director for the radio station. He got on scene quickly because calls started coming to him. Um, you know, sixty five. That's what you do, right? You call the radio station, uh, and 
uh, took a bunch of photos, took a bunch of audio, and then at a later instance had a Men in Black encounter, and all of it, all but one roll of his film was confiscated. So maybe, uh, maybe quite possibly, this uh, photo we were talking about earlier, maybe that was one that he had taken. I don't know. Diabetes. Yep. Uh, people uh, witnessed uh, that the the military removing an object by truck covered by a tarp, and supposedly was taken to uh, uh, Wright Patterson Air Force Base. Oh, of course, Be- because it's it's funny. <laughs> the pr- favorite vacation destination <laughs> for all the UFO stuff, right? So um, what's interesting too, and I didn't, I'm, I'm not going to talk about it much in, during the episode here, but folks, click on those links and, and do some do some internet searching. Um, they have alleged witnesses at the Air Force Patterson base that saw this thing come in. And this this story has gained grown legs a couple times, you know, obviously in 1965 and the first years past that, it was pretty important or you know, talked about a lot. And then I believe it was in the 90s Unsolved Mysteries did a, a show on it, and I didn't put, include any Unsolved Mysteries clips. <laughs> I wanted to so bad, but after what happened last time, I, oh, I'm not yes. going to do that. Unsolved Mysteries, man. Is that on the history, Don't, or what is it? Uh, I couldn't tell you. I can't remember. There, I did have some History Channel stuff, but I also had some uh, Unsolved Mysteries just stuff as well. So, But anyway, uh, and um, so in the 90s, I believe it was 90s, Unsolved Mysteries did an episode on it, and then in 2003... If memory serves me, um, a gal backed by the sci- the Sci-Fi Channel did a Freedom of Information Act and got 40 pages of documents in 2003. And I believe it was after the, the Unsolved Mysteries episode uh, was when additional eyewitnesses of the event came forward, too, which sparked kind of a, new, a renewed effort, which led to the 2003 uh, Freedom of Information Act request. Um, and I, I, we'll talk about that too. This is on Netflix, by the way, on Salt Mysteries. Okay. So, yes, it would have been copyrighted. Yep. So scroll down a little bit more on my notes here, Dano. Uh, the official military explanation is that the U.S. government claim, uh, claims that nothing came down outside of Kecksburg. It was a meteor that burned up in the sky, although they searched for hours and found nothing. <laughs> right? Good one. It, oh, there we go. Here it is. In 2003, a suit brought by Leslie Keen. She was the, the gal backed by the Sci-Fi Channel. Uh, had NASA released 40 pages related to the incident. Nothing was helpful in those, right? Surprise, surprise, Dan. <laughs> but NASA also said two boxes of info had been lost. So, interesting. I'm going to stop here. So, according to official government accounts, this radar unit was the only thing only unit that was dispatched to the area to investigate it, and they found nothing. Yet NASA somehow had a team up there that got three boxes of information, two of which were lost, (laughs) for a meteor that disappeared. And the military Uh. says NASA wasn't there. But NASA says, yes, we were, and here's the information we have about it. Okay? Ooh. So... The NASA came out with an explanation that they said it was debris from the Soviet craft, the satellite Cosmos 96, that broke up over Canada earlier that day, and a and a chunk of this ended up in in Pennsylvania. That seems somewhat plausible. Okay, so here's the photo of what the Cosmos 96 looks like. So look, you know, for something bell shaped. This Cosmos 96 satellite 
is about 12 feet tall, 3.6 meters. It did some quick math, came up to about 12 feet tall. I think it's 11.88 feet uh, technically. So pull up the picture of the of the Cosmos 96 again, Russian space oh, yeah, sure. s- satellite. So folks, what we're looking at here is a a picture of the the type of satellite, the Cosmos 96, that crashed at the same day that this uh, alleged UFO crashed outside of Ke- Kecksburg. This entire thing is about 12 feet tall. Remember we talked about, you know, witnesses said it's about 8 to 10 feet tall, this acorn. There was no windows or openings and stuff. I'm looking at this satellite, Dan, and if the whole thing, you know, is 12 feet tall, there's not any section of this I can really say is an 8-foot-tall acorn with no openings or windows or, you know, or and I obviously lacking the hieroglyphs, right? Yeah, and then the, if you were going to say the acorn, you know, you might say this top section, but there's no way you're going to get 10 feet out of the top I, section. I, yeah, no, so. you're, you're absolutely, even eyewitnesses, which we all know that eyewitness accounts vary, they're really not that reliable, but you're not going to see a 2-foot or 3-foot thing on the floor and think that a human being could be in there It's it, or right? it's 8 or, eight or 10 feet. So I tend to discount this uh, particular explanation, but it's an interesting coincidence nonetheless, okay, that this crashed at the same time. Another explanation offered said, oh, well, hey, here's an acorn-shaped object. It's a U.S. spy satellite film canister. This thing is about 18 inches, okay? (laughs) It's not going to leave a trench in the ground and take treetops off as it's falling, okay? Do they come in different sizes, or is this... A standard size. Uh, I, I allegedly, uh, it's a standard size. It's a return capsule, apparently. So here's an interesting thing. This is a UMK zero six RV nuclear warhead. And you know why we've got about six thousand of these, right? We probably did back in '65 too. Had you know hundreds and hundreds of these. I, I can kind of see an acorn shape on that, right, Dan? You know, like oh, yeah. maybe if it was damaged or something. Um, the whole shebang just looks to be 12 to 14 feet tall, you know, just based on the sign there that's in front of it and some ADA stuff that I know. Um, but what it's lacking is the the rim around the bottom, the hieroglyphs, obviously. And you would have thought that somebody viewing this would have made note of the section, how it looks sectional, right? And then... Then there's obviously the explanation behind it is like, okay, so wait a minute. Somebody lost a nuclear warhead and it just crashed 70 miles from Pittsburgh, you know? So there's that aspect to it. But that's another uh, explanation. We got a problem here. And that's why the government was so hush-hush about it is they wanted to load this warhead up and get it someplace away from the public, okay? So here was an interesting one, too. This is the uh, Nazi Bell craft that uh, allegedly the Nazis were working on. You can kind of see, I mean, it doesn't really, it's acorn-shaped, right? Dan, you'd agree that that's acorn-shaped? Yeah. Um, You know, there's a big swastika on the side. I think that maybe people would have noticed that. But what I find interesting about that, at least in this photo, there's some, like, weird writing around the bottom of that. I don't know what, that doesn't look German to me. It certainly isn't English. Um, But what's interesting about this Nazi bell craft is that there's a whole conspiracy theory behind this. Did this ever exist? Did they ever do it? And, oh, by the way, they also think that this was actually a particle accelerator and not a craft of any sort. So this, but but what I found interesting about this particular one is that this was offered up as an explanation. It meets the acorn shape. It meets the, what, you know, 1965 people's understanding of Egypt was, uh, Egyptian hieroglyphics. 
But but there's no proof that this ever existed in the well, first place to any is, degree, we, a functioning degree. We do this. We've shown this craft on this show before a lot, and these. It seems like we always get some decent pictures of it. Yeah, so, yeah. And I, there were other. Like, photos am I wrong? Is there like a museum or something where you can walk up to this thing? Yeah, I mean, because that looks like it's in a laboratory environment. Maybe that's just a really good Photoshop job. I mean, because that's a like in the background there. That looks like a modern overhead door. And then here's kind of a comparison uh, between the the Nazi Bellcraft and then the Acorn, um, you know, replica that they made based on the eyewitness. What's interesting is that this Acorn Nazi Acorn Bellcraft is has got to be at least twenty feet tall. They they show like a artist rendition with a Nazi officer standing next to it, and he's coming about a third of the way up. So figure he's six feet tall. You're at eighteen feet, fifteen, eighteen feet. Seems a little too big based on eyewitness accounts. What's funny about something like this is like when we look at like Egypt and like when they saw gods come down in these like mm-hmm. chariots. Or when we actually look at the where the hub of life started and, and the first recorded history, and they talk about all of this. But stuff, they man. build they build stuff like that to like remember it, commemorate it, and yeah, now they're doing this, it, yep. and now we're doing that. So. Yeah, I had come across <laughs> one of the comments, too. It's uh, like um, kind of almost shaped after Buddhist temples, too, which would fall right in line, too, is that, you know, uh, these crafts wouldn't necessarily be solely just, you know, in Egypt, right? They'd be all over the world, and so other cultures have picked this up and to honor the space spirits that come down, right? You know, we're going we're gonna to build buildings that look like it. So... Um, so that so so that's where I'm at with it. Um, what I find super interesting about this is that there's so many eyewitness accounts, um, and it it has the the hang time, the the staying power, because it was in '65 it occurred, it rekindled in 90, 1990, then again in the 2000s. Um, so this is far from settled, and you know we've talked a lot about dis- this uh, UAP report disclosure and how what of a big disappointment it was. Um, that said, you know, perhaps cases like these will get a, a, even another looking looking at it. And there's all sorts of different artist renditions. Literally hundreds, if not thousands, of people saw this thing come down. That looks like a bullet. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I, I thought, too. It looked like, you know, just a, a large, yeah, kind of, yeah. Well, interesting. That's what I have for you, folks. Uh, Internet's your friend on this one because we didn't cover just but a portion of it. There's uh, cool photos, cool artist renditions, ad- additional eyewitness accounts. Check it out, folks. Uh, something's uh, falling from the sky out there on occasion, <laughs> folks, and it, it that sure didn't doesn't look like plastic bags, it's weather, weather balloons, balloons, ice crystals, yeah, anything else besides yeah. a UFO, orbital clutter. I, I think they called here. it right. Yeah, yeah, guys with drones, fancy drones in 1965. You can pay me to write a report. Yep. Other guys get yeah. You'll do it for half price, right? Exactly. I'm always half price. Remember the the the, uh, Mars pictures? I'd be willing to edit. They pay. I said I'm willing to do it for three hundred (laughs) thousand. Yep, 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 yep. Did you get any calls on that? I did not. Oh, good. I know I'm cheaper than they are. Yep, right on. Well, folks, we've got two episode, official episodes left after this one of Talk is Cheap. Oh, yeah. I do want to just take a moment, too, and we're going to get more sappy, I'm sure, as the episodes go on. But, you know, I just want to thank everybody for their time over the years. Dan, how many years was it, man? I looked at that. It was, you said the the year that you started, and it was correct. Remember we looked that up? Oh, then then we're looking at almost seven. It was been that April that I first started. Oh, I said six years on my my, my No, six, notes. because it would have been, yeah. uh, it would have been shortly, probably May of 20, 
16. Well, we'll, no, uh, we'll, we'll, 15. Get, we'll get the dates all figured out. And we'll yeah, do I don't salute. know. It's been five, five, six years we've we'll, been doing this, we'll folks. We'll do a salute and, we, and cheers on the last live episode. Yeah, and, and there's been folks that have been with us for a very long time, uh, dare I say the beginning, and I want to thank you folks. I want to thank the folks that joined us, maybe dropped off, but... People come and go. It's what it, it is. Yep. What it is. And you know, uh, you, you know if uh, things would have been different, we'd. I think if things would have been different, we'd be looking at every episode being between one thousand and ten thousand views minimum. And we're lucky to get a. I mean, that's a big days. span, but so, yeah. So we're really, lucky to get you know, we're, we're saying this this heartfelt apology just to a handful of folks out there, viewers. And if you stumble across this episode, uh, this episode, and some other search, uh, encourage you to check out our other episodes. We have some pretty fun stuff we talk about, man. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that people say you should check this out. Well, it's like search on. Yeah, we have we've, piles, we've done a lot of yeah, it. and we've got dozens and dozens of, of fan recommended topics. Oh, and if you happen to be one of these like super rich folks that want to rekindle a, a internet show, uh-huh. um, our emails are super easy to get a hold of. Send us an email. Send Dan an email. He checks them way more than I do. Um, and if you want to fund us uh, full time, we would certainly entertain. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> we'll entertain any uh, offer that's brought forth. All right, Dan, I think that's what I got. I'm done. All right, sounds good. All right, end transmission.